Well, there are hundreds of different exercises out there, some of which will produce progress, will get you where you want to go, but many others that will completely waste your time. And we see this every single day, people trying to perfect useless exercises and thus wasting their time, wasting their efforts, and ending up discouraged. So today we're going to talk about three exercises that we never do, that we see done very often, and most importantly, why we never do them. We're getting all that much more in today's episode, which starts right now. Tired of sailing an endless sea of information with no way to tell what applies to you and what doesn't? Then welcome to Fitness Made Simple University, where you're about to get actionable advice to make the right decisions for you and your life. Join your host, Chase Jenkins, health club owner, personal trainer, and nutrition coach, as he steps you through the Fitness Made Simple framework and talks to industry experts so you can move the needle on your health and fitness goal. Now, here's today's episode. So if you're like most people, you're, you're time poor. All right. So when we look at your resources and the things that you have to, to help you get in shape, time is usually not one of them. Not all of us have hours on end every single day to work out like it's our job, but we still want to get in really good shape. Therefore, you must be doing the most effective exercises. If you're spending your time, you, know, you, you want to get from point A to point B, but you're spending your time on things that really don't move the needle, that nine times out of 10 ends in discouragement because we feel like we're putting all this effort in all the time and we're just not getting to where we want to go. Um, that's Nobody wants to do that in any area of life, let alone with fitness, which is already complex and ambiguous enough as it is sometimes. Um, but what we end up doing, again, kind of our theme for the last couple of weeks has been where we learn these things from. Uh, a lot of times we'll learn these from our Instagram influencers, our YouTubers, whoever, and oftentimes they're not doing things for effectiveness. You know, they're, they're doing, showing exercises for likes. They're doing, they want you to come across on your feed and see somebody doing something and go, wow, I've never seen that before. This person must know a lot or know something I don't. Therefore I need to follow them and buy their programs and whatever. And maybe that's why I'm not in shape. Maybe that's the reason is because they have this knowledge that I don't have. And the truth is that all of the exercises that move the needle, the things that we really should be focusing on in health and fitness aren't super sexy and they're hard to sell. Um, so out of that, uh, as you guys know, I, I run a health club, uh, and not that I judge, you know, I let people do whatever in the heck they want to do. Um, I don't know anybody's specific situation, so it's silly for me to ever pass judgment, um, on somebody, but we do see some exercises, uh, very, very often. And it's funny. Sometimes we see them as they follow TikTok trends. So I'll see something on my feed. I'll be scrolling through social media at night when I get home or something. And then Sure enough, two weeks later, uh, I'm seeing a lot of people on our health club do that, um, and and which is totally cool. I, I encourage trying stuff, whatever. Um, what I have a problem with is when it's sold as things that are that are actually beneficial in producing progress. You know, maybe you'll do something and it makes your shoulder feel better. Um, you know, uh, it, that's amazing. That's incredible, and you're not going to know unless you try those things. However, uh, there are a bulk of exercises uh, that have stuck around for a long time. Um, and they just really aren't worth their salt. Uh, and that's just really, it's, it's kind of black and white. Hey, we're about science here, not feelings and vibes, uh, while those things are important. Uh, so we want to cover, uh, the, these 
three popular exercises that we see all the time. Um, we're going to get to the effective exercises uh, very soon in the future, so don't worry. I'm just having some fun here uh, with these three, um, but also kind of explaining why. Uh, and in that, you can take that knowledge of, of why we avoid these three and maybe see other areas uh, in your health and fitness where um, you can apply those concepts and, and maybe realize other things maybe aren't worth your time or that other things are worth your time. So we're going to uh, start it off with one that I know is going to get me in trouble. Actually, one and two, um, two especially, uh, probably going to get me in a lot of trouble. Uh, but number one, uh, dumbbell kickbacks. And I've seen this variation. It's If you're watching on video, they do the dumbbell kickback and they bring it up into some sort of curl. And you're you're not working a muscle. You're just maintaining momentum of a weight. It's like uh, pushing a pendulum. It's like pushing a kid on a swing, right? Uh, really not doing a whole lot, right? So you're not doing force on either side. It's just you're maintaining momentum. Uh, but the dumbbell kickback, the reason why, um, and the, the reason why I wanted to pick this and when in particular, there's, there's dozens of one that kind of fit in this category, uh, but it's the profile. So when we look at an, uh, at an exercise, <clears throat> excuse me, we look at the profile of that exercise. So this is something, uh, one of the very first things we teach our coaches is the profile of an exercise and what that means. That means sometimes you've heard the strength curve, although that's sometimes referring to the muscle. Uh, but the profile of an exercise is where you're going to be able to figure out if it's going to give you benefit. Because if it's a really poor profile, you're just not going to get any benefit from that. Or maybe you do it only a small range of motion. And, what, and if we know from you know, just from science that more range of motion and more stress and load over across a larger range of motion is what produces muscle growth and you know hypertrophy, strength gains, all of those things. Um, you know, lots of good stuff happen when we do that. But when we minimize the load over a large range of motion and we only maximize the load over a short range of motion of an exercise, such as the case with the dumbbell kickback, we don't get any of the benefit. Um, so there's a lot of things that go that go along with this. So number one, the profile, we look at something called the line of force. So with a cable, the line of force is the actual cable. That line, that line from the cable to the attachment is the line of force. Um, with a dumbbell, a barbell, anything free weight, gravity dictates the line of force. So it is always straight down. If you remember back in uh, a seventh grade science class, uh, there was a, I remember there was a problem on our paper uh, where the car was going down a hill on an incline. And it said, what direction is gravity pulling? And one of the options was the direction of the car. Uh, and a lot of people would get that wrong because even though that's the direction of the car, the line of force is straight down, such as the way with um, free weights. So with that, you want that line of force to intersect your muscles at a perpendicular angle, like a cross or a T. That is what is going to maximize the load across that muscle. Um, if it's parallel with it, uh, it's really not going to be doing anything at all. Uh, and thus, if you have something such as dumbbell kickback, when the dumbbell gets up to the top, um, your line of force going straight down, you're carrying a lot of momentum at the top of it. Uh, when you're perpendicular, when you're at the bottom from all the way to dang near 80 degrees, you, you, you're really not getting a lot of tension on that muscle. Um, and a lot of people will say, well, I feel a really good squeeze at the top. And it's like, yeah, you probably do. But that is also the case with every other you know, tricep exercise that you can possibly do. Um, you can get that same exact squeeze more or less. Um, so there are really not a lot of ways that you're going to be able to load the tricep with a kickback. Uh, so 
if you look at the line of force, you look at the loading potential, which is the next part. So we also need weight in order to create that force. Well, you can't load a dumbbell kickback very heavily uh, that you could with a uh, skull crusher or a lying tricep extension. Or even I, I've seen people call it a cable kickback, which is just if you're doing a standing you know, tricep extension on a cable machine, you're just bent over. So it's the same thing. Um, and it changes it very, very slightly in terms of how you brace. Um, however, you can load those things pretty dang heavy because your body's in a supported position. In order to do a kickback, you have to put your shoulder into um, all the way into extension behind you. And to maintain that position, you have to have um, strong rhomboids and rotator cuff and, and rear delt and all this thing. A lot of these shoulder muscles that usually aren't super strong in terms of the amount of weight that they can move. Uh, maybe, you know, per pound for pound, it's a stronger muscle. I don't know. Uh, however, putting yourself in an unsupported position uh, and, and not being able to move very much load because of that makes that movement not very good. So when we look at the effectiveness of a, of a movement, what we're learning here is that the important thing is going to be the profile, which means where that line of force is intersecting and where those forces are peaking at. So if we look all the way through a movement, um, you know, if you think, think of a dumbbell curl, it's usually the easiest thing to learn line of force um, or the profile of that movement, sorry, is that once you get to the middle, uh, you have the longest lever right? So that you have the really long lever when you get to the middle of a curl. Um, that's where your force kind of peaks. It drops off almost entirely all the way at the top and all the way at the bottom. Um, so we have to manipulate the angles a little bit. So sometimes we'll do that on an incline to get more of that squeeze when our elbow is, is more fully flexed, or we'll do a preacher curl and we'll get more of that squeeze when our elbow is fully extended to train the different ranges of motion that the bicep can carry the elbow through. Um, and the reason why I tell you all that is just so you can start to picture how your muscles are moving and, and how different exercises will influence um, your body. But really what I tell a lot of people is just put your shoulder in different positions as you do your arm movements. Um, and you're probably going to cover it. Like I said, a standing curl, um, a lying incline curl, and a preacher curl basically covers everything. We don't have to do anything fancy. It covers um, all the different ranges of motion. It's a good profile, all that stuff. Um, so, But the big thing, like I said, is a load, the loading potential of a movement. If you can't load it very he very heavily, yeah, you may get a better squeeze somehow. You may better, uh, it may look a little cooler or whatever, get you some more likes on Instagram, but it's probably not going to produce very much results because when we look long-term, we look at what we want to put the body through. We want to see our tissues on our body start to change, meaning we want to grow muscle um, or maintain muscle. We want to see body fat usually dropping off. In order to produce tissue change in our bodies, it's not going to look like feeling a squeeze or many of these things. Now, when you're a bodybuilder, when you're, you know, 10% body fat already, maybe you can throw those things out the window. You can worry about that other stuff a little bit more, but we need large amounts of stress and load on the body, on the metabolism, uh, things of that nature. So throw out the things that put you in awkward positions that you can't load very heavily, that don't feel, um, you know, that you don't feel very strong in, um, stick to the staple movements and you'll be all right. So um, I'm thinking about putting a no dumbbell kickback sign up in our in our health club like uh, Wayne's World, and they have no, <laughs> no stairway to heaven up in the corner. Uh, and then the second one, uh, I know my CrossFit crowd is going to come after me, uh, but understand my context is usually people who are trying to get in good shape uh, for work. They're trying to minimize injury and risk of injury during their exercise. That's something that's very, very important to us. Uh, because while being fit is fun and while being in shape is fun, uh, 
you know, and doing your workouts and it should be a blast. If you roll an ankle, if you dislocate a shoulder, if you tear a rotator cuff, all of a sudden that fun isn't worth it anymore because you have to go and produce uh, at work and you have to put uh, food on the table. That is going to take precedence. So we can't, we have to keep those things in mind. So safety is the number one concern. Um, and our goal is also, um, you know, not just to, to have a good workout a lot of times. A lot of times we're trying to pro- progress in our physique and our health and all those things. And while these may have a place, I would argue for most people um, that they're probably not going to be the best use of our time. Again, we're talking if we are time poor. Listen, if you have all day to spend in the gym, if you want to try a thousand different things, if if you got a lot of free time and your income's steady and you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, then yeah, go for it. If you want to give it a shot, uh, throw some at the end of your workout, that's fine. But my problem is usually um, with the type of people that ended up doing this exercise is the mindset of those people. The, it, it attracts the people that it's worse for, right? So the people who it is not good for is typically the type of people who these types of exercises attract. And there's a whole group of them. Uh, but our number two is going to be burpees. So what is the goal of a burpee? It's to exhaust you. You're not really getting a lot of of benefit in terms of, of stress and load on the muscle to where you're going to change that tissue, right? So you're not going to get a bigger chest and shoulders and triceps. Um, I'm sure somebody could argue out there that if you did a thousand burpees, um, again, and you had time to do that, uh, and you were going to sacrifice other exercises to do that, um, you're just, you're lengthening the amount of time it takes. Um, that's fine, but we want to be most efficient and most effective with our workouts. Uh, therefore a burpee is just something that kind of gets you just to get you tired. Um, it's just a way you out. And we don't believe that when you leave your, your workout that you should be exhausted. You know, sometimes we're a little tired, you know, sometimes we push hard, uh, and, and we are tired, whatever, but I really want my clients to be leaving the gym, feeling energized, feeling, feeling really great, feeling like they got good connection and body awareness and they're not just flopping on the floor like a fish, which is the other thing is that it kind of encourages sloppy form. And anytime that we're going to exhaustion with something, um, and that is primarily the focus of the reason why most people program burpees. It's never, cause if you're going to program a burpee and not tell me that it's, it's for exhaustion, you're saying, you know, you know, this isn't, this isn't for exhaustion and you know, we, we can do it the right way. Well, then you're doing a squat, you're doing a jump, you're doing a push up, and to string those three together, you would much rather somebody just stay down and do push ups or do air squats or do jumps and do them separately and maximize the effectiveness of each one of those instead of trying to, like I said, flop around and, and trying to get ourselves out of breath and completely exhausted. Um, you know, so the, the other way of thinking, you know, they, they really don't make sense in that context. So if you're just doing something at anything, this doesn't have to be a burpee. If you're just doing anything to get yourself exhausted, you're going to be doing two things. One, you're probably not doing that exercise with good form, which means you're going to be very at a very much higher risk of injury. And two, you're probably not doing it for the right reasons in the right manner. Um, which would be to build muscle and get stronger, which is probably going to be the path to your goals anyway. So if you want to lose body fat, um, you know, just burn as many calories as possible in the gym is not what we want you to focus on. And that is, is more about the mindset than anything. The mindset of I'm going to you know, beat my body down instead of build my body up and get it to where it produces results on its own. Instead of I'm going to force this thing, I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. Um, that usually doesn't end very well, and like I said, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. There's a time and a place to try everything. Um, but if you want to be most efficient and most effective, these, you know, any type of exercise aimed at pure exhaustion 
is probably not the area that you should be focusing on and it's probably giving you the wrong mindset for other areas of your health and fitness as well. Now we're gonna move on to number three here, um, which some of you may actually not know what I'm talking about with this one. And this, this is Olympic lifts. Um, and Olympic lifts, again, I guess my CrossFitter is gonna be mad at me. Uh, once again, again, different context. Uh, when you focus on the skill, when you're focusing on competition, um, things where you're sacrificing your health, you're sacrificing um, other areas of your life for the sake of being really good and competition, being really great at these things. Um, that's totally different. You know, let, let's keep that over there. Go for it. Um, but for most people, your your average mom of two, college student, whatever, um, Olympic lifts are really not something that you should be doing because of a couple of reasons. Again, if we're after tissue change, if we're after improved health, improved metabolic function, improved muscle mass or maintenance of muscle mass, we're going to have to load the muscles. We're going to do a lot of things that we're not going to be able to achieve with Olympic lifts unless we have a high degree of skill with them. Therefore, we can load them safely and effectively. They're still dangerous because there's a lot going on. There's a, there's a barbell flying through the air in most cases. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't be safe. That doesn't mean that you can't get in shape with Olympic lifts. Um, if you look at any Olympic lifter, you're going to be able to tell that. However, um, there's a super high injury risk, uh, and most people want to avoid that at all costs. And most people who get cleared to do uh, Olympic lifts uh, probably have some muscle imbalances that if we slowed down in a squat, we would see very, very quickly. And we would want to address before we load uh, somebody's spine and rib cage and pelvis uh, that is not stacked on top of each other, let alone letting a barbell land forcefully on the collarbone of those people. Um, so nine times out of 10, these do not, I'm going to say 9.999 times out of 10, these do not have a place in your workout program. Um, and like I said, you, you can do these things and uh, do them pretty well. And if you don't do them regularly, they can cause injury. For me, I did a ton of Olympic lifts in high school. It's one of those things that you, you're not always perfect at, but it's kind of like riding a bike. Once you get those forms and those patterns down, you can get pretty good at them and still do them safely. As long as I'm not trying to do a one rep max with some, with some power cleans or hand cleans or whatever. However, our muscles form in different ways. This is something that a lot of people don't understand. This is why you take a bodybuilder, you know, somebody who goes very slow and methodically and whatever, they have a different muscle fiber type than an Olympic lifter. You take an Olympic lifter and have them try to do a tug of war, they're, they're going to fail. They're going to be terrible versus somebody who's like a power lifter. But you take somebody who's a power lifter who can take 700 pounds and pull it off the floor and have them do box jumps they're not going to be nearly as effective as the Olympic lifter that could only deadlift 300 pounds, okay? That's because their muscle fibers are set up very differently. They've been altered through their training. So you take an average person, somebody like me, um, who, yeah, I was athletic. I was athletic in high school. Um, I still try to maintain a certain level of athleticism so I can move my body well. And I go and do something explosive. My joints aren't ready for that. My muscles are just are not prepared um, to do those things. And it's inevitable. Every once in a while, I get a wild hair. I want to do some cleans and my shoulder joints are just absolutely killing me for a couple of days later. 
Um, and I'm not doing any crazy weight. I'm not doing absolutely atrocious form, though obviously I'm sure it can be better because I'm out of practice. Um, you know, when you it's, it's that old adage, if you don't use it, you lose it. That also applies to certain types of movement. It's not just muscle and being strong. It's how are you strong and the manner in which you are strong in. So those things are really important as well. So if you take somebody who sits at a desk all day and you, you try and tell me that they're going to be explosive enough to do super hard workouts, it's going to take a long, long time to get them there. And for somebody who is maybe not a thousand percent bought in and doesn't live for this, fitness isn't their life, and you're going to tell them that that's going to be the best place to their goals, it's probably not going to end super, super well for them. So we want to maximize our time and our effectiveness. So we're going to stick to the big things. We're going to do the really bare bones basics. We're going to do them consistently. Your squats, your presses, your rows, all their variations, um, your deadlifts, all of your hinge movements. Those are the ones that they've been around forever and they've been around forever for a reason. And they don't need modified or adjusted. They're good just the way that they are if they're done consistently multiple times a week, right? Um, so try not to get too caught up in all these fancy new exercises. Think about, um, like I said, the, the why not to do these things is the most important thing to learn. Um, like we learned with the dumbbell kickbacks, it's how heavy can you load that muscle? If you're a lady, for example, and you want to grow your glutes and your hamstrings, your ability to load those with a super heavy deadlift or a hip thrust compared to a glute kickback, which provides zero resistance, um, almost zero compared to uh, maybe just the weight of your leg. That's, that's almost nothing because your body's used to carrying that around. Um, compare that to a super heavy hip thrust, a split squat, a lunge where you can really put a lot because your spine's in a stable position uh, just because of the profile of that movement that's going to be a really excellent movement for you. Um, and it's going to, that's going to boost your metabolism more. That's going to do so many great things versus if you try and do the thing that makes you, gives you a good burn and you do the sidesteps with the bands and all that stuff. Um, so the, the amount of load you can put on that muscle. Um, and there's times where we switch that up. I know with our programming, for those of you who know this, um, you, you, you don't need this talk anyways, because you should know this, but if you understand that, you know, obviously low, full load, um, all the time is not always great. Um, you're also going to go with a high metabolic load, which is when we go really high reps and short rest times as well. But the amount of load, the loading potential and the stability of an exercise is really important. Um, our goal, our mindset around that exercise and why we're doing our exercise in general is incredibly important. So such as the case with burpees, we're not trying to beat down our body. We're trying to grow our body, make it more resilient and things like an Olympic lifts. We want to be super, um, safe, we, we, you know, there's always some degree of danger, but we definitely don't want to exacerbate it and make it worse um, or do things that our body isn't used to, even if we're in good shape and we can handle it, quote unquote. Um, and we also don't want to have to spend a year getting super great at a movement um, just to start finally getting benefits a year later uh, versus something that you can not master, but you can do pretty well effectively and safely in two to three weeks and start making progress right away. So, um, there's a lot of extra things to consider, uh, when you're choosing your exercises, that's why you got to trust in really good programming, hire a good coach, somebody that knows what they're doing. It is not going to be fancy. 
I promise. Consistency is not sexy, but I promise you the results are, and those are the things that matter, and those are the things we're going to be teaching you as we go along here in Fitness Made Simple University. So thank you guys so much for listening. Listen, if you've enjoyed our first couple episodes, uh, we have a goal of getting to a thousand subscribers by my birthday in July. So if you would help me out, give me an early birthday present, share this episode with your family and friends. We're trying to help the average person figure out ways for a busy person, um, somebody who isn't a fit fanatic to enjoy a fit and healthy life. Maybe the one that you have right now and you want to extend that out to others. Join our mission. Help us out. Give us a like. Give us a share. Um, Follow us on all of our socials and make sure you're subscribed. We will see you next time. That's it for this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss out on the knowledge and context we use to change our own clients' lives. And if you found value in today's podcast, please leave a review and share it to your social media. We'll see you next week with more of the information you need to live your fittest, healthiest life.